When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. We had him on last week. We have him on to start the week here on Sunday. My guy Sunil here with us talking some 49ers football, targeting uh, the NFL draft and free agency. Stay tuned with all the talk. We will be up next. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the four, or of the Rohan Chakravarti show, I guess this is. I've got uh, my guy Sunil. How you doing, man? Doing great, man. I know we uh we're going head to head with the Lakers Warriors. Um which right, right now so the, the Lakers are I'll, up I'll by give 15, you some trash so. talk when we end up winning by a good amount. Right. Well, right now, you know, Lakers are up yeah. by 15. So yeah. um, you know, we'll see. Well, so for some reason, the Lakers have had the Warriors number this season. The score. Yeah, yeah, no, but it, it's it's interesting because obviously the Warriors are uh, in the standings much higher than the Lakers, but for some reason, right. Lakers have had the Warriors number this season. So, moral have victories. we played y'all at home a good amount, or because I know we are. I think they, this is the third. Them. This is the third time they've played in the last, I feel like week and a half, and the Lakers are two and zero. Oh, right, and, the uh, Lakers won. Yeah, the Lakers won that last one. Uh, they uh, actually, I think they won the last two. Yeah, one of them the was, two. I know, one of them was at home, one on the road. Yeah, yeah. So interesting. But real but quick, we're not here to talk basketball. We're here to talk football. <laughs> do want to give a shout out here to Harold Morello. Thank you for tuning in to the show. But yeah, like you said, not talking basketball. We talking some football today. Forty Nine er talk. We we talked a little bit last week. Spoke on John Lynch, the comments that John Lynch had, and I think that that's a good place to start because we. I, I want to start with a little bit of a heavier topic. Mike McGlinchey. John Lynch was very candid when he spoke about Mike McGlinchey last week. Talked about Mike McGlinchey's market, understanding that it's going to be heavy, and that Mike McGlinchey likely outprices himself essentially out of the Forty Nine ers range. What did you think about the comments, uh, and really the frankness of it? Yeah, I mean, there's certain instances where it just is what it is, right? I think most people who are reasonable about who Mike McGlinchey is, which, you know, most of the 49er faithful isn't, right? A very small percentage of the 49er faithful actually give Mike McGlinchey the type of credit that he deserves. You and I both have mentioned, man, I think he's the top right tackle on the market as far as in free agency. So just like our team is looking for an upgrade at right tackle. Most teams are looking for an upgrade at offensive line. And to most teams, they're, they're going to look at Mike McGlinchey and, and look at, hey, this guy is better than who we have on our roster. So when it comes to that, price is always going to be a, a, a thing. And I think that the 49ers are looking to develop the next wave. They're in that kind of, they're in that kind of um, position right now, Rohan, where it's like, they're willing to pay, I think, players that they feel like are going to be extremely productive for the next three to four years. Um, they're willing to kind of not even not necessarily only overpay, but like at least be extremely competitive and make them the highest, you know, paid at their position. Right? They've done it with Trent Williams. They did that with Kittle. They did that with Warner. They did that with um, both um, with Debo to say, you know, kind of. Um, and you know, they're going to do that with Bosa. But a player like McGlinchey kind of fits where, yeah, he's going to be productive and all that kind of stuff. But is he worth making him the highest paid or close to the highest paid 
at that position. And I think he is on the other side of that where they're like, okay, well, let's just get younger through the draft versus overpaying for a guy who doesn't fit that kind of elite, um, elite kind of uh, realm that they're willing to, you know, go into that with. And, and that's why I think, you know, they were candid and, you know, more than likely Magochi is going to be too expensive for the 49ers. And I think that gives us some answers because, we know that they're clearing up a lot of cap space. It's interesting to know now that, you know, that isn't for McGlinchey. Yeah, and I mean, when you talk about McGlinchey, it's an interesting case, right? Because you're right. Offensive tackle and offensive line in general, you're going to pay more likely than you uh, than the player is worth because of the value of the position and also the age of the player. You specifically, I know you've talked about the importance of the offensive line and the desire to upgrade. What would you do? So a year ago, Rohan, I would have said re-sign McGlinchey. And the reason for that is I didn't have much faith in the 49ers' ability to identify the right talent along the offensive line and develop them. However, with the emergence of Aaron Banks, that has changed my opinion of what the 49ers' ability to scout that offensive line is. So for me, I think that uh, – I think that you let him walk and you draft a guy because I know guys like you guys like Marco have been pretty adamant that there are solutions in this draft that are going to be available or near available to where the 49ers can either jump up to catch them or guys that can fall to the 49ers that could with may not might not be a day one upgrade, but could be that solution a year from today or a year from now or two years down the line type of thing. So I think you go, you have to right. go that. Right. I mean, when you talk about rookies, the whole point of rookies, right. In general, normally as, as, as interesting as it sounds, it is tough to find a day one upgrade in the draft. The point of drafting rookies is not only because of their floor, but it's more so because of the potential that they have. You have players that get great out to be Pro Bowl players when they develop and under, enter an NFL system in two to three years, all pro players. It's not necessarily that they're going to be that in year one. And so especially when you talk about the later rounds, I think the 49ers, yeah, they're going to look to try and address the position. And a part of that is them potentially looking to get a guy in the third or fourth round. Now, does that guy start? It'll be intriguing because you'll have to beat up Colton McKivitz, but I do, I've been a proponent of competition and I think it's important, especially when you look to address the position at some positions, the 49ers have done well in looking to address the position a year early so that they can go ahead and uh, have a solution when the time comes. They didn't do it in a position like safety last year when they had opportunity at 93 to select a guy like Dick Cross or Kirby Joseph. It didn't do it at safety but lucked out when Deshaun Gibson played well, but they did do it at left guard two years ago when they drafted Aaron Banks to succeed Lakin Tomlinson. They've done it at certain positions. They should do it at right tackle. If they believe that uh, Colton McKivitz can be the guy, then guess what? You've got good competition. If not, then you've got a player that's better than what you already know Colton McKivitz is. That's kind of how I think about it. Yeah, and I mean, they may have done that at center as well, right? I know you've been the biggest proponent of, of Zakil as possibly the solution there. I know right. guys are, um, you know, there's certain people that are high on Poe and maybe he could be in that realm. You know, I'm interested to see if, uh, you know, if what the, the 49er solution there. I know Colt McKivitz is kind of the, the guy in the leader room in the locker, but um, – you know, it's going to be interesting because, you know, I think a guy like, um, you know, the 49ers, if there's a, if there's guys available, right, like something like Trent Williams, right? I think Trent Williams was something that surprised everybody. Nobody realized that, that he was available or he was available at the cost that the 49ers were willing to do. I think both you and I agree that I don't think the 49ers are going to utilize all their third round picks to actually pick players. They're going to package some of those picks um, this year and maybe next year uh, to either move up in the draft or potentially go after a player. So I don't know if there's, it's just interesting off season, Rohan. There seems to be a lot of good players that are ending up being cap casualties for, for teams or teams are looking for ways to, decrease you know their 
their spending overall. So I don't know if there's players identified that you guys have identified that might be available, like because the team's cap situation or, you know, they may have somebody on the on the roster already that could fill a void. But, you know, that was something that the, the 49ers did and, and, and got Trent Williams. I don't know if there's somebody else out there that they could kind of pick away. Who knows? Right. And I mean, when you talk about those type of players, right, it is tough because cap casualties are just a part of the business. And that's why it is hard to insulate your roster very well uh, on a year to year basis, especially when you're a a top team, because you have to understand when you're a top team, there are going to be players that are playing uh, better than what their salary indicates. And so, yeah, that's right. You talk about center centers, an intriguing position, the 49ers. I have said Nick Sakel, they drafted him to be the center of the future. Now, will he be that? We don't know. We haven't seen him necessarily play in that environment. He has to get better in certain things like anchoring, uh, like pass protection in general. But, you know, it's been a year of development behind the scenes. How do we see uh, that going? Jason Poe has been a guy who we've been intrigued about as well. Some other guys, when we talk about it, uh, I mean, uh, Jake Brendel had a solid year. And then the draft. I think that this draft is so deep that you could look to find center in this draft. Uh, and we'll talk about that in a bit. But this draft has a lot. This draft is very interesting at several positions. It doesn't seem like there are a lot of round one talents. Not a lot of top end talent, really, at, at many positions, that is. I mean, quarterback is significant, right? You, you know that there are going to be four quarterbacks likely selected in the first round. But apart mm-hmm. from that, I don't know the many the many positions where there is real high-end talent, but the mid-round talent and the depth in some of these positions in the draft, specifically offensive line, like center, like tackle, uh, at defensive end, as always, even if you want to consider, I don't know, wide receiver, not that much, but those type of positions where the 49ers might have some needs, there are some deep classes. And so even if you believe you have your option, I think you've got to go and capitalize on getting the best player available, which comes from some of these positions. Yeah, and I mean, that's something that the 49ers staff and Adam Peters, you know, has been kind of uh, leading the charge in that. They do extremely well when it comes to picks fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh round, getting the best player available and really adding that depth, right? You know, you, you just look at in the last two years, the players that have come from, you know, fourth round and below, very impactful players. You're talking about a guy like Talana Bufunga, who turned into an all pro in two years. Um, Samuel Womack, Diamador Lenore, uh, you know, Burford, who's a, you know, week one starter for, you know, uh, for the 49ers. All of these players are, you know, Elijah Mitchell. These are guys that were players that were best player available at the, at a position. And now they're very impactful players on the team. That's one thing that I think allows the 49ers to maybe make some mistakes in free agency because they're so good at drafting and developing players that you know you could let a guy like Jaquaski Tart walk you could let a guy like K1 Williams walk you know this year most likely you're probably letting a guy like Jimmy Ward walk um and still able to maintain a level of uh excellence that the 49ers have been able to do over the past four seasons There we go. Uh, but no, I, I agree with you there in what you're saying about, uh, you know, the way the 49ers scouting department has been able to evaluate and the way that they go about their business. And I think it brings me to an interesting topic because you brought up Adam Peters and there was a very insightful article from the athletics, Matt Barrows, who does phenomenal work over there, obviously uh, talking to Adam Peters. And one thing that Barrows asked Peters about is where is this draft deep at? Peter single-handedly pointed out the tight end group, and he also talked about the defensive line and the defensive tackle group, which indicates are the 49ers looking to target there? What what do you think about those with uh, about those positions? Should the 49ers look to not necessarily upgrade because that's a that's a tough word, right? To upgrade on where they have, but improve their units at two of the positions that are uh, are deep in the class. I can clarify that as well. Yeah, I mean, obviously defensive line, we know the 49ers are always going to pick one or two defensive linemen. That's just their MO, right? Uh, 
the start of this regime, they pick defensive line every single draft in the first first round, uh, with the exception of Mike McGlinchey, right? So we know that they're going to pick one or two defensive linemen, especially if guys that they really like fall to positions where they're already at. Tight end is interesting because obviously George Kittle, I think, had one uh, like a bounce back season this year, and he played really, really well. Um, obviously, him and Purdy uh, had a had a really great connection. Um, I assume him and Lance will have a very good uh, connection as well when they get a chance to start playing together. But he also is, you know, he he also is another player where you look at okay. Um, is his money going to match his production? And to me, yeah, but that doesn't mean that you don't look for a solution or actually look for uh, a great, another great tight end to add to the roster, because I think the 49ers are looking to utilize more two tight end sets and um, a tight end two actually gets a lot of play and run for the 49ers. So if you can get another weapon at a tight end two position, I think it does wonders. Even with Kittle on the roster, there's another guy there that could um, pass, catch, and block uh, for the 49ers when they do use utilize two tight end sets. But also, if and when it gives you options when it comes to Kittle, if you want to go ahead and maybe trade him down the line, or um, God forbid he gets injured, or you know you you decide that maybe it's time to just move on from him kind of situation. So I definitely think that even though, even without the tight end, uh, tight end depth being there, like regardless of that, I think the 49ers were still going to draft the tight end this year, just because it, it, like you said, they're very good at drafting players for a year, two years down the line versus just for what they need right now this year. Right. And I mean, <clears throat> Tight end is another position where the 49ers have looked to kind of get a solution right in the past, but they also haven't diverted too many resources to it. I mean, they tried to go after Austin Hooper, the year he signed with the Cleveland Browns. Obviously, 11 million is too stark a price. Drafted Charlie Warner, fifth round, has been all right. He's been a blocker, not too much more than that. Ross Dwelly has shown flashes as a as a pass catching tight end he's a really good guy as a pass catcher just didn't have the blocking prowess and the 49ers want that in their two tight end sets and i mean other guys jordan matthews jordan reed whoever you you might want to consider it some projects didn't end up working out 49ers have to address this position because nfl teams understand how valuable two good tight ends are in your system when you have two tight ends you get into that 12 or 22 personnel it forces the defense to then have more linebackers, more guys in the front seven on the field to combat your formation. And what does that mean? You got less guys uh, covering the back end, more chances for you to stretch the uh, stretch the ball downfield, and more chances for you to uh, open up the, uh, the the playbook, which in Kyle Shanahan's uh, hands is one of the best aspects of the 49ers offense. So if you have two guys that can block and catch, obviously not to the level that Kittle can, but you know enough to be a tight end number two, which this draft has, guess what? You have uh, ways that you can block certain things uh, in, in the running game, be it uh, with pulling tight ends, be it with the, with the different formations the 49ers use and the different ways that they run the football. You also have guys that can stretch the field and have create mismatches because those linebackers are going to cover those tight ends. And when you uh, run different routes, combinations you get mismatches the 49ers already saw the mismatches that they can create with Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey out of the backfield now imagine those guys incorporated alongside two tight ends that can uh that can do both sets of skills it's what the 49ers have been looking for and they that's that's kind of been their goal over this past two year when they selected Troy Lance when they've been doing these improvements they're adding to the versatility of their offense be it yards after catch people, or be it, you know, uh, just prolific weapons. They're creating positionless football offensively, and it's really, really impacted their offense. Yeah, um, I agree. And, I mean, uh, once again, you know, when Adam Peters is saying that, I think it's a good indication of what's going to happen for the 49ers in the draft. I mean exactly right it's it's right out of his mouth it's right right there you you kind of you have an indication that the 49ers are clearly looking at that position and i'm pretty sure the 49ers have um what do you call it 
had interviews with a good amount of tight ends in this class. Uh, the 49ers have looked, I think, I, I know that they've looked, first of all, I want to give a shout out to the guys that went to the combine this week because they did a phenomenal job consistently providing us information on who the 49ers have talked to and things like that. Shout out to all those guys, Jordan Elliott, uh, Brad Graham of the SF Niners, Steph Sanchez, obviously the 49K podcast. Shout out to all those guys, but, you know, we got a little bit of a look at who exactly the 49ers are looking at. Uh, Josh Wiley of Cincinnati. I know they talked to Braden Willis of Oklahoma. Uh, guys like uh, Davis Allen of Clemson. And, and, I mean, it's a variety of names, right? A variety of solid names. A variety of vari- uh, uh, like a variety of different skill sets. But 49ers are, are definitely looking at the position. Second part of Peters' comment, though, defensive line. 49ers have always looked to draft defensive line. And now they, they, they face reinforcements uh, that they likely need to recover because Samson Nebucom and Charles Omenihu are free agents. What do you think about that type of the comment? Yeah, I mean, so once again, I think a lot changes very quickly with um, where I think resources are going to be allocated for the 49ers. Uh, a few weeks ago, I was set that the 49ers are going to go all in on a defensive tackle. Uh, whether it was Deron Payne, if he was available, or uh, Javon Hargrove from the Eagles. Now, I I think I'm a little less confident that that's the route that they're going to go. I do think the 49ers are going to target a three-down player because I think that they need – they only have two right now along that defensive line in Bosa and Armstead. I think that they want another guy that they could play three three downs, meaning can play in pass downs and run downs, right? Amena, who doesn't necessarily fit that mold, like he's more of a pass rusher, but isn't necessarily the strongest at at run defense. So I kind of felt like he was going to walk regardless of some of the comments that were coming out. Do I think they only settle in the draft, though? I don't necessarily know that. I do think that they're going to pick up uh, a D-tackle. Yeah, and D-tackle during the draft. I do think that they'll probably now look for an edge um, to complement Bosa uh, mm. in free agency, because I do think that there it's a little deeper than the defensive tackle market in free agency. So I think that once again, the 49ers are going to make that one splurge. I, I thought it, it was going to be, be between defensive tackle and safety or possibly both with, with Lynch talking about wanting to bring Gibson back. That makes me a little less confident that they're going to go after a, like a splash signing for safety, because why would you bring right. Gibson back if you're going to get a guy like Bates or, or, or Johnson Gardner, right? So I think that they'll probably go, um, I think they'll probably go edge in free agency, bring, bring, make that one, that one player, like they brought Moody Ward in last year. I think they bring that, a guy, uh, an edge um, into it. And I think through the, through the draft, they're going to upgrade at safety and defensive tackle. I think that that's fair, right, when you talk about it, because when you mention the defensive line, not only is this a deep defensive line class in general in the mid-rounds, we've got a, we saw a lot, of the, a lot of the testing, so a lot of volatile uh, rankings, I'm sure, on team sports on who's rising, who's falling, who, who, who teams are targeting. San Francisco's also, when it comes to defensive line, they've also gone best player available uh, in most of the drafts, right? I mean, Nick Bosa, uh, albeit Solomon Thomas, Nick Bosa, uh, they they went best player available trying to secure the trenches. But even recently, last year, defensive end was not necessarily the biggest need. They go after Drake Jackson in the first uh, in in with sixty one because he was the best player on the board. So I think that you'll definitely see them at least uh, draft one player. Now, the point you bring up about free agency is interesting. Samson Ebucom, we'll talk about him right after this, apparently reportedly commanding at least $10 million uh, positive remarks around the combine, according to ESPN's Jeremy Fowler. And that might, that not might, that definitely will price him out of San Francisco's range. I don't, I don't see them <clears throat> paying at least $10 million for him, given his uh, production as a pass rusher. He's a very good defensive end in terms of the the value he provides as a run defender, not necessarily as a pass rusher. And I think San Francisco are is looking to target those three down guys or guys that can be uh, p- produced a little more off the edge in, in, in those situations. And so I think that he's a question mark. I, I don't know what they'll do with Charles Menahue. I mean, he has his legal issue that he has to obviously figure out, but 
Charles Menehue, I would not mind him bringing, uh, being brought back if, if it comes at a reasonable price, given his age and also his pass rushing prowess. I think that that's the more important side. But I do think they try and find some three-down defensive linemen. It, it, I don't know if it'll be a splash setting. Payne obviously tagged. Hargrave likely to command $18 million or something like that on the open market. That's a lot for the 49ers at an age 30 player. We'll see who they look to go and get. Would be, uh, and I think that that kind of tells you the direction that they go in the draft in terms of uh, where they'll look to select a player and what kind of player they look to select. Yeah, I thought the article was talking about Omenahu. You saying it was talking about Epicon? Uh The Fowler one? I'm not sure who wrote it, but where it was talking about the be commanding like 10 million in free agency. I thought it was Ebucom. I, I okay. thought it was Ebucom. Yeah, I, 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 for wrong. some reason, I read it on Menahu. So I don't know. Either one of them, I don't think they either one of them come back, actually. Um, I okay. think both of them are going to be too expensive. And, and once again, I think that the 49ers realize that. So, and, and maybe they don't realize, but I think I realize <laughs> that just having a lot of depth doesn't necessarily help. Because uh-huh. that, there's always going to be a weakness, and they need more guys that could do multiple things instead of just a lot of things, a lot of players that could do one thing good. I'd rather have more guys that could do both things well, right? And they don't right. have a lot of that. They have two of those right now. So I think that, I think that like they identified, hey, we bring in a corner at the level of uh, Mooney Ward it's going to solidify our, you know, secondary, which obviously that did. And it, it obviously brought the level of play of all the guys. Mosley had his best season. Yamada Lenore had his best season. Obviously those guys were getting more season, but I think Mooney Ward being there helps that helps that them get the best out of them as well. Right. I think with what we've seen at Nick Bosa, who obviously is playing you know, all world level, right? He's an all pro defensive player of the year, but give him some help. Um, I think you, you could, you could tap into another level of what this defensive line is capable of. So that's why I think it's extremely important that the 49ers find a solution there. If they believe that Drake Jackson is that guy and he's already ready to be that guy, then okay, maybe not. I don't think necessarily they believe he is that guy quite yet. Um, so I do think they go through free agency to get a guy, whether it be, you know, a, a one-year, two-year type deal uh, deal with a guy like Yannick Ngakwe, who's a little bit older, but, you know, can produce when, you know, has produced in the league. Or, you know, if there there's another guy out there that could be, you know, even longer or more of a solution where I think they, they go after a guy like that. I think it's interesting that you bring up Drake Jackson because uh, Lynch also talked about Jackson. We talked a bit about him uh, this past week, but he talked about Drake Jackson. And I'll, I'll, I'll push back a little bit here in that I thought that Drake Jackson, the way that Lynch talked about him this past week, indicated the 49ers kind of are in a position where they don't necessarily have a choice but to hope that Drake Jackson – uh, kind of develops this year. He said how the 49ers need a, a big-time jump in year two for Drake Jackson and that they expect it to happen, meaning why? The 49ers divested such uh, draft capital into him, understanding how their cap situation was going to go in future years, but also understanding kind of how uh, they needed to handle things, right? Drafting one year earlier, understanding players are going to leave the year next. And so to me, I think that San Francisco might look to um, – look to see Drake Jackson's role increase for sure in 2023. Now, again, that doesn't... The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. 
everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real Traveler Reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com that they're out on players because the 49ers do like to have good depth and they do like to i mean i think three down players are valuable and i don't know if drake jackson has proven that he'll be a solid three down player against the run if he hasn't uh i don't know his weight right now but the weight will certainly indicate that so definitely an argument on both uh, I, I think argument can be said on both sides just interesting about drake jackson given uh lynch's comments as well Sure. And I think if they don't go after a DN, then maybe they do see enough in him. But I do think that they want more three down players. And this is all feelings, no facts. I don't know that they, they want that necessarily. I just would, I would, if I'm running the team, I definitely see that as a big weakness where the 49ers haven't had four three down players on the defensive line in quite some time. And they need that at least get three right now, you know? That's fair. That's definitely fair. That's definitely fair. Kind of moving forward. Um, a topic that it seems like it was a little early, but we got to talk about it because it was also addressed Nick Bosa. Uh, Nick Bosa obviously had a extension talks or starting, it says, according to John Lynch. Seems like it's a little bit away. Kind of initial thoughts on Nick Bosa and his extension. Yeah, it was interesting though because Lynch said it's it's a way, but it didn't seem like he wanted it to be. He wanted it to get done, and that was interesting because obviously the 49ers are pretty consistent with when they make these extensions, and it's a day before training camp or the day that uh, training camp starts, right? Um, but this is the first indication where the 49ers or John Lynch is like, I, I wish it could get done earlier. And I don't know if it's not getting done earlier because of Bosa or if it's just the 49ers thought process of just getting it done at that. For me, I think that it's time that I would actually like to see them get it done before free agency. And the reason for that is no, let's know what money we have to spend and, and so that you could go out there and get it done, right? Focus on this year versus focusing on next year. You know that Bosa is a guy that's going to get paid, broken off and all that kind of stuff. I don't know if there's, and it's not like there's other guys in his position that are hitting free agency as well, that are like resetting the market, right? That, that there's not that competition. Um, I think at least uh, as far as guys waiting. So I, I think you just get it done. That way you can actually utilize money against the cap and, I think it's interesting, Rohan, and you're obviously way better at the cap than I am. The cap's about to jump big time, I think, next year. I would, I think, it would be advantageous to to get as many as many signings under the cap this year, so that you have even more money uh, for next year to go after free agents versus you know already kind of spending some of that money. Um, 
net with guys from this year kind of thing. I don't know if that makes sense, but I, I think that you get it done early so that you can kind of know what to play with, uh, you know, moving forward. I think this story is very interesting because I think it kind of does show how NFL negotiations happen. A lot of people are under the assumption that the 49ers are the issue, and I'm not going to deflect any blame on the players because I'm absolutely with them with the way that they conduct their business and getting the best deal possible. But it's a two-way street. I don't think that there's ever been a time where the team themselves want this deal to be done only in August. That's not the way that they handle these negotiations. But both teams are negotiating throughout this entire process, sending offers and counteroffers, trying to come to the number. But remember, it's not only the player and the team that are the factors, it's the other potential deals that are occurring. Because in the NFL, when one deal occurs, the next deal, it automatically puts the uh, the player who's getting the next deal at an advantage because you now have a new baseline that you can go depend on. And I think in Nick Bosa's favor, where he's looking to make the most money, it's in his best interest, if we're being honest, to wait. He doesn't have an issue because he doesn't necessarily need to be – he can – demand what he wants and if they don't meet the demands that he wants he doesn't have an issue he can hold out not hold out but he doesn't have to participate until training camp really and so i think it's in his best interest to uh to to honestly wait and that's where it's a part of it it's in normally a player's best interest to wait until that time because other teams and other players also figure out those deals those uh, deals at those times i think the 49ers have tried to get deals done early i know they have with some of them but also, you have to understand the process, I think, uh, goes both ways in that the player and the team need to agree to those uh, to those numbers. And sometimes it's best interest in one side to, to wait. Well, I understand that. But that's why I brought up, like, there's not really that many defensive ends he's competing with this year. Right? When um, I think in the last years, obviously with Debo, there was a, a few, a bunch of wide receivers around that same time. So I understand kind of holding out to kind of see where the money falls through. You saw with Fred Warner, there was, you know, um, the guy out of uh, the Colts that was, yeah, uh, that was there. So it was like, okay, wait till the end. Um, I think there's another one recently too, that was similar, but I don't know who, who, who else is a defensive end that's, that's looking to get broken off. That is even in the same realm as, Nick Bosa, I don't know. That's why I think that in this situation, you can actually get it done because I don't think there's another guy like Nick Bosa out there right now. So, I, I, right. I mean, what about just like, let's just say, uh, in theory, if they could get it done right now, right? And let's say it's a number that makes sense for Bosa. What would be the advantages of getting it done early versus getting it done late? Uh, the advantages, I think you get more understanding of the cap situation for next year later on. That's an advantage for the team. As for Bosa, I think it's more so, I mean, I think it's it's not necessarily there's advantage necessarily. but Well, let's you, just focus on it from to, a team perspective. From a team's per perspective, what would I mean, be the I mean, the team perspective, it's clearly the advantage is you, you understand where you are heading into free agency. I think that's pretty clear. Uh, and I think that... Uh, Money-wise, I think the 49ers, like, it's it's really down to how does the contract get structured? Because the 49ers are going to be, I think this one's going to be one of the more creative ones that we see. Because you have to understand how signing bonuses are working and option bonuses work. The 49ers, I think, to, to put themselves in the best cap situation possible over the next few years to make themselves expendable is not necessarily diverting as, as much money to Nick Bosa as signing bonuses, but instead creating these different bonuses that are essentially guaranteed, but uh, have these cap hit maneuvers that the 49ers can integrate. And I think that, that the complexity of the deal is what might hold it up. The other thing is I think Jeffrey Simmons of the Tennessee Titans is going to look for a deal. He's an interior guy, I know, but I, you could look at them in the category. I think, I mean, if it's up to me, I think the best situation is getting a deal done before March 16th. Why? You know how much Nick Bosa's cap is going to be lowered for 2023. That piles with the other restructures that should happen. Give the 49ers a clear uh, amount of what their salary cap is going to be in 2023 to where they can go out and sign free agents. I just think that the process between the two teams normally takes longer because right. of the amount of 
proposals that occur. And so that's where it just becomes tough. And I don't think this is just a 49er thing. I think you see this with several other teams in the NFL. You pointed out some of the examples. I think a lot of these deals carry out into the April, into the May situation, because both sides are trying to get the best deal possible. Yeah, I just think there should be a little more urgency from the 49ers uh, this to get guys like, and even a guy like Ayuk, um, maybe even getting him uh, extended, even though you have the fifth-year option for him. And the reason for that, like I said, what makes it a unique situation is uh, there usually isn't as big of a jump in cap space as there is going to be from this year to next year, right? And so if you can lower cap hits, for 2023 that 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 is going to help a lot because obviously in 2024 because the cap is going up so much it doesn't matter if their cap hit goes up more in 2024 if that makes sense i i get what you mean i think i get what you mean yeah and it, i mean it, like i said it's a tough it's a tough ordeal for yeah. sure because the problem becomes becomes if you do it after free agency then you don't really get to utilize the, the that extra nine million dollars that you'll likely or eight million dollars that you get right yeah you don't get to utilize that and i'm sure the 49ers have the contingency plan where that is and i do think that when we talk about the urgency uh i know debo samuel and his camp ran some documentary last year really uh detailing the process the 49ers as surprising as it was i mean we heard the debo samuel trade uh request and all that but his agent said in that meeting, the first offer the 49ers gave was actually much better than they anticipated in terms of lowballing. Seems like they gave a reasonable offer there. I wonder what they do. I don't think they mess around with Bosa, but right. I wonder how that deal ends up happening. I mean, we've heard already Bosa talk and him being excited about next year. I don't think that there's going to be many issues with this deal necessarily, but I do think that I I, I don't know exactly if this the timeline is going to be as short as we want which is unfortunate. Yeah. It was just interesting that John Lynch mentioned it, right? Because usually they don't talk about how quick they want to get it done or, Hey, we want to get it done as early kind of thing. Usually they're like, Hey, be patient. We'll take care of them. We take care of our guys. This one, he's like, I hope we, I wish we could get it done, you know, now kind of thing. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, I, I do think that that's fair. Going back to what Peter said, um, it was an interesting conversation that he had with Barrows, and he spoke about, uh, I believe he spoke about, oh yeah, he spoke about Steve Wilkes, and he spoke about, I think that the notion right now is that the 49ers are going to run a very similar defensive system. Lynch talked about it as well during his press conference. What do you think about that, knowing Wilkes' background? Yeah, I mean, I think he runs more zone than than what... Uh... We've done um, in the past. Well, just more recently under D'Amico Ryans, right? I think D'Amico Ryans is is pretty aggressive uh, and and liked playing man and and, and type of situation where I think Sala was more kind of cover three, you know, the zone type stuff. So maybe it's going to look more like when Sala was here. I think the, the, the benefits, though, are I expect our secondary to take a jump with, you know, Wilkes' expertise being, you know, the secondary. And um, I think Wilkes is going to maybe help give a little bit more uh, packages when it comes to trying to get pressure, right? I think he he's a little more, how do you say, like, I guess creative when it comes to, like, the blitz packages and things like that. So I could see a little bit more of that. But, yeah, I mean, I think scheme-wise, or at least, like, yeah, it's still going to look similar, but I do think there's going to be some wrinkles that are, are, are going to be added because of Wilkes and, you know, what his tendencies are. Yeah, I, I think so too. I mean, I think you, you do value what Wilkes does best. And I think that definitely has to play a role for sure. But I also think that you understand how important the system has been as of late for the 49ers. And I think that that's also another important part. So there are the two sides to it for sure. And I think, yeah, I mean, it's it's a small topic, but I, I'm very interested to see the initial parts of it during training camp. How does the defense work? But one other thing I want to move on before we hit the last topics of the day. Robbie Gould. I mean, we, we heard the news. It's confirmed. 
I know I've anticipated this for a minute because I didn't think the, the that when Gould actually was going to, I didn't think they were going to franchise tag him. And if we're being honest, Robbie Gould has not wanted to been here for a minute. His family lives in Chicago. What did you think about that move? Or not necessarily the move, but the news that you heard. Yeah, I'm not surprised uh, to, to, to uh, steal a quote from uh, Nick Diaz. I'm not surprised. I think it's time for, you know, Robbie Gold to go go off and, you know, find wherever his next team is. Paying $5 million to a kicker, I think, where it is, is a place where the 49ers can save some money. Robbie Gold has been clutch for the 49ers in the playoffs and done an amazing job while he's been here. I don't necessarily think, though, that uh, he can't be replaced, right? I don't know if his level of play necessarily was irreplaceable. Obviously, playoff-wise, he's been clutch, but through the regular season, he has missed kicks. He has missed some extra points. Um, he has missed time, playing time as well. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's time to get younger. I think it's time to get cheaper at that position. I'm a big fan of, you know, drafting Jake Moody if that – you know, I think that would be a great solution for the 49ers. Or there's a bunch of kickers that are always available, and you know, guys find solutions, teams find solutions with kickers that are just in street clothes right now, kind of just waiting for their next opportunity. So I think it's smart. You could save probably three million, four million uh, a year, and allot that to position more positions of need um, along the defensive line, along the defense, offensive line, wherever they need to allocate those resources right i mean yesterday i wrote an article about it robbie gould it's an interesting guy still great human right and i mean a, a great person to be around the organization a great leader in general but if we're being honest robbie gould is not a top five kicker in the nfl mm -hmm. in the regular season he's not the last three years gould has kicked i think I wrote about it yesterday. Gould's made like 82% of his field goals in the last three years, since, or in the last four, since 2019. On top of that, 43% of his kickoffs, 43% are touchbacks. The, the number one issue with the 49ers and their special teams, you're allowing the opponent to return the kick, which then gives them the ball at the 30, 35-yard line rather than the 20, 25-yard line. You're allowing them to get that extra yards, and that's where you know some of the special teams issues have happened. So when you talk about it, not too great in the regular season. Doesn't kick beyond 50 yards very often. Doesn't kick the, the touchbacks. But again, what is Robbie Gould's number one talent? Kicking in the postseason. He's 29 for 29. He's I he's he's good as gold. He's good as gold in the in the in the postseason because that's what he does. But when you talk about paying five million dollars in the salary cap crunch that the 49ers have right now, it doesn't make sense for the 49ers necessarily to retain him. It's just a, it's just too steep a price. Understanding that since it's a one year deal, it's tough to maneuver the contract to where you can extend the cap it over multiple years. I mm -hmm. think that that's a big thing. And this the more important part, Robbie Gould. His family does not live here. He's been living in a hotel, I believe, for the last six years because his family lives in Chicago. I think he's himself. He he was the one who said to Adam Schefter he's going to test free agency and not return. It's because he himself is understanding probably wants to go near the Midwest again. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. But don't, don't necessarily uh, think that it would have been the best move for both sides. Good on Robbie Gould for, for figuring out what's best for himself. 49ers now got to look elsewhere draft John Lynch himself said it he acknowledged they're looking at some players in the draft Jake Moody time Jake Moody time that's fine <laughs> Harold Morello says don't waste a high draft pick on a running back this year would you draft another running back in uh at all in this draft I don't care about high or low do you, do you think they should I, I, ten, I think they'll bring in I don't know if they'll draft the running back, possibly. I think they definitely bring in some running backs, whether it be undrafted or, or low picks. But CMC has solidified their running back room. Elijah Mitchell uh, obviously can't stay healthy, but is a good one-two punch with, with CMC. I think Mason makes the team again. They obviously still have TDP. I don't know how many resources they allocate towards running back because I don't think they're carrying five, so – it's just going to be more training camp bodies, practice squad bodies. I don't know if they use draft picks for that. I think they would more likely probably just bring in undrafted free agents, which they've had a lot mm -hmm. of success with. Obviously, you know, 
Mason was an undrafted free agent that made the roster. So I think they go more that route. I, I would be, I would, I would be, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't pick any running backs to the draft. I wouldn't either, but I also would not be surprised if they did. The reason being mm-hmm. this draft class, it seems like it's pretty solid at running back in the later rounds. I do think that there are a, a, a good amount of talents there that you can get for the running back position. And so to me, would not be surprised if they go ahead and address the position with a later pick, understanding you have 10 picks in this draft. 10 likely don't make the roster, and you can just have them battle it out uh, at the position itself. And so would not be surprised if they go for running back. Uh, we'll see if they end up doing it. But there are a couple of intriguing options. I think they could look for some speed guys, right, understanding how their team is right now constric- uh, constructed at the position. And as it looks, you've got Mitchell, you've got CMC, you've got Mason, you've got TDP, the 49ers carried five last year, but they also normally carry one of the practice squads. So, you know, you could look to see the guy fight for a 53-man spot or a practice squad spot uh, at the position. We'll see what they do. Uh, but would not be surprised if they go ahead and address the position in the draft again, understanding their love for the position and also solid enough class in the back end. I think out of running backs, they probably select a fullback maybe over they uh, could. a halfback. I, c- I could see that. Yeah. How how much longer is Juszczyk going to be Juszczyk? I don't know. Um, so that might be interesting because I do think there's some fullbacks that are in this running in this class that are worthy of being drafted. So maybe go, maybe go that route rather than a halfback. I because I don't know if they carry they they don't usually carry five running backs. No, right? they, they normally carry, carry four. four. Plus, yeah, last year it was because of Mason they carried five. Yeah, yeah. So so yeah so yeah I mean look. For some reason, Shanahan likes picking running backs, and if it is, it's probably going to be in the third round. So uh, we shall see, but hopefully they utilize those resources to, to other positions. We're talking about priorities. I like Harold's next question. Opinions, 49ers may draft a tight end. We talked about that. Possibly a running back. Just talked about that. What should be the priority in terms of positions? What do you think? It's the it's the title of the uh, of the video. What positions are the 49ers targeting? What do you think are the priorities? Yeah, so as far as when I'm thinking priorities, I'm thinking find a solution at these at these positions that are going to be viable players for next season. Not, not this season, but next season. So that's what I'm looking at as priority because I don't know if they have the draft capital to find somebody that can just jump in this year and, and be a full-time starter. So there's two that – there's three positions that – um, I'm looking for solutions that are going to be bona fide starters next season. That's at right tackle, that's at safety, and that's at uh, defensive tackle. So those, I think, are the three positions that I that the 49ers need to make sure they hit on uh, to continue the type of success that they're they've been having as far as with their draft pick. So those are the ones. Now, when it comes to what I think their priority is going to be with their first pick my uh my guess right now is if they don't pick in the third round like if they package those picks to move up in the second round it's going to be for a right tackle if they stay where they're at i think they actually probably draft the corner with their first pick interesting i like it i I think there's a lot of new new topic yeah yeah i think there's a lot of good corners that are going to be there at 99 um, and I think that with the emergence of Lenore, obviously with M- Mooney there, with uh, with uh, also Womack playing the way that he is, but also just the injuries that have happened in the right. secondary for the 49ers, stockpiling good corners, I think, is something that the 49ers are looking at. Cornerbacks and quarterbacks, I think, are the two positions that the 49ers can never have enough of. Right. Yeah. No, definitely. And I mean, when you talk about uh, those positions, for me, I'll probably go a different way in terms of priorities. I like the right tackle thing. I've been an advocate for trading up in the second round. I think that there are talents in the second round that you can get. Now, with the draft being a little more deeper at certain positions than I initially expected, I don't know the uh, the possibility. I think the, the possibility that I've thought about that has somewhat diminished, although I still would do it if there is that talent. I'm a BPA guy. I go best player available. I don't necessarily value the need as much. Why? Because when you prioritize need, you end up t- you tend to overdraft and you tend to not necessarily make the best p- uh, picks. And the 49ers have had uh, those issues before. 
So to me, I think it's got to be best player available, and it's tough to navigate in the third round, understanding uh, where the 49ers are. But I think tackle is important. I also would uh, uh, would be intrigued if they go for that tight end position. I think that there will be value in that third round, fourth round that they could go for in that t- for tight end. The position that you brought up as corner, I'm going to go with safety. I honestly think it makes more sense to draft a safety this year than uh, than uh, than before. Uh, with the Sean Gibson news that he could potentially, he likely is returning to the 49ers, John Lynch said. Uh, and the reason is, you, you you brought up the right philosophy, looking to draft a year ahead. The 49ers made the big mistake last year. They didn't. They had Nick Cross in their hands. They had Kirby Joseph in their hands. And they ended up going with Ty Davis Price, who isn't, who hasn't been a good player, who just hasn't been a good player. He didn't crack the rotation this year. I think they've got to go with safety this year, understanding the value of the position and also understanding that you have the chance to let a guy develop, have him see the field in some three safety sets, but let him develop behind Tashawn Gibson and potentially take over with two really good players there in that secondary in Tashawn Gibson and Talano Hufunga. So to me, that's the route that I'd go. I think that I would look to target safety in this class, but I think interior offensive lineman is also uh, an intriguing position that with the with the value on the board, I do think that they should go ahead and address that position as well. Be it guard or be it center, I think there are talents at both places and versatile talents as well at both places. So if you had to put your money way too early on what the 49ers do with their first pick of the draft, what position group do you think it is? I'd go tackle. Probably would go tackle. I, I think that uh, understanding the uh, like that tackle is a position that you normally look to overdraft. And that I know the 49ers have been interested in certain players at the tackle position. I'd probably go tackle. What if they stay at 99? I still think tackle is a position that uh, you can get at 99. I mean, uh, what, uh, Blake Freeland out of BYU's there. Uh, Wanya Morris could be there. Uh, I think that a, guy, a couple of guys who you might see as a guard that could flex out to tackle would be there as well. I think that tackle would be a position. I still wouldn't mind drafting at 99 if they stay put. Interesting, interesting. Go. Harold Murillo talks about the new NFL report cards. I think the 49ers ranked 7th. With the one category being the training room, because it's like uh, it was like too small or too not spacious. Uh, what do you what do you talk about it? Yeah, I think you you just hit it on the head. Uh, overall, it seemed like the 49ers have done really really good. All the culture type uh, stuff seems to be 49ers do really well at. Look, it looks like the training room needs to be overhauled, and if that if that could lead to keeping players healthier longer, I'm all for it. So. Uh, York, put some money into that training room. Let's get that up to A quality, and uh, I'm sure it'll pay dividends as far as keeping the, the team healthier uh, with a better training room. So that's all I can say about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's more so good than bad that you see them rank so high uh, compared to some of the responses you heard from some of the teams down at the bottom. So it's a good thing. I mean, it's a good thing that they think ownership can spend and all that. Pretty positive uh, morale, I'd say, in that locker room. Sunil, though, a question for you. Percent chance McGlinchey comes back. What are you thinking at the moment? Two. Two percent chance. Oh, I thought you were saying tw- like two out of ten. No, two percent. Okay. <laughs> there we go. 2% I don't think chance. there's – yeah, I think there's 98% chance that McGlinchey is elsewhere uh, come day one of free agency. Yeah. No, I, I think that uh, probably around the same boat if we're being honest. But – that's a good uh, good way to end today's show. 49ers Throwback says, I got to go to Chicago. Funny enough, I'm going to Chicago actually next week. Uh, Big Ten tournament. Going to be able there, uh, be downtown and covering that. So that should be fun. But, Sunil, I do want to appreciate uh, your time. Thank you for, obviously, coming on the show and uh, a fun weekend episode today. Absolutely, Rohan. Always great to talk shop with you, my guy. Yeah, real quick, I do want to see if I'm winning so I can talk some smack before. Oh, it's tied. Okay, or 55-54. So, hey, we came back. You guys love to blow leads. Oh, beautiful second quarter <laughs> for the Warriors. But, uh, nah, uh, I appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk soon, man. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.